Hey, this is Billy Ballinger, and you're listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. On today's episode, we sit down with Billy Ballinger, released a new Christmas EP called All Year. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, the podcast for Christian music fans by Christian music fans. Chris, I was reading online about a man, a man likely trying to be funny on Facebook, landing himself behind bars. A Rockdale County Sheriff's Office posted their most wanted list last week asking for the public's help in tracking down these criminals. That's when one person went on the post and commented, how about me? Sheriff's Office saw the man's comments and confirmed he had two outstanding warrants. And they replied that we're on our way. The man was arrested Thursday on warrants for felony violation of probation. I don't know how much uh, sense some people have out there to comment. How about me? Talk about sticking your foot in your mouth. Yeah, just, I don't understand it. Like, if I was running from the law, I would definitely not comment on things like that. I guess he just thinks that, like, they don't keep up with their socials or something. I don't know. (laughs) Well, thanks for him because he's probably going to be behind bars for Christmas. Chris, have you done all of your Christmas shopping? Are you finished? Um, no, I'm not finished. Um, do you wait till like Christmas Eve Eve? Are you done before then? Uh, I mean, I've been known to wait there. <laughs> been known to go out on christmas eve (laughs) no Uh, um no i don't know i i really the our son is done um so really it's just getting things for um a wife yeah and then um that's really it i mean well, we're we all always done. all go together. We go in together for our parents, so like it's all done. Yeah, yeah, we're all done here. We just got to do the stocking stuffers now. Just buy things um, for that. Five below is a great place for stocking stuffers. Yeah, Dollar Tree candy. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> well, I mean, they have like Reese. They have Reese's and stuff. Just smaller. Yeah, amounts. true. Just not Palmer's chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> so we did recently sit down with Billy Ballinger, and Billy uh, was featured on the 2020 Winter Jam tour. Uh, he has a great testimony that he'll share in this interview, and uh, he recently came out with a Christmas EP called All Year. Check out this interview. Well, Billy, thank you for taking the time and chatting with me this evening. Man, dude, I'm I'm glad, really. I love it. Absolutely. We're going to get to talk about music and life. Ooh, It'll be fun. Absolutely. So let's just dive right in. And uh, I've heard your testimony before, as 
we were talking before we hit record. Uh, you were on the Winter Jam tour a few years back, right before COVID. Well, actually, it was already yeah. starting, and then the whole COVID thing happened. And so, uh, I know you shared your testimony and and got to sing and perform. And so, you really do have a powerful testimony. And so, if you don't mind, I know this is probably the millionth time you've told it. But oh, I love it. Do you mind yeah. telling our listeners uh, your story? No, it's great. It'd be great. Uh, I just, um, I'm man. Okay. Let me just, uh, I'll try to sum it up good here. <laughs> I'll start with that as little. I just want to tell the listeners though, you know, it's just like anybody in, in a situation where sometimes you don't realize that everybody's got a purpose in life and you have to find it. And it took me a while to find it. So I was adopted at age three. My biological parents could not, they, they just couldn't deal with it for whatever reason. Every, everything. So I was adopted by my aunt and my uncle and raised to be their own. I didn't know it was my aunt and uncle until I was 10. And I found out I was adopted. They told me, oh yeah, your aunt is your real mom. So it was that kind of a thing. Well, then my adoptive parents, who I call mom and dad to this day, uh, you know, I, I refer to them as my mom and my dad, raised me like their own. They got a divorce right after that. And then, you know, then step parents came in on the scene and, you know, that. And then uh, I just, struggled to find community in school, moving around a lot, really struggled. Long story short, end up running away from home a few times, running here, running there, just trying to get away from discipline, became incorrigible. And then I end up in juvenile corrections by the, by, by age 16. Hmm. And uh, I'm in a juvenile facility. The court system sent me there. I was there for uh, 15 months. When I was there, it was a, it was a Christian facility. So meaning it was founded like 170 years ago. It's called Josiah White's New Possibilities. And what they do is it's a big campus and they have like cottages where boys live on one end and girls live on the other. So in that sense, it was co-ed to a certain extent. So I joined the choir because they made you go to church like five days out, you know, five or six days a week you had to go. If you join choir though, you're going to get a chance to be around the girls. And so I joined choir and, uh, I meet this young lady who's in choir who has now, is now today my wife. Mm. So we meet there, um, but it we had a lot of adventure, uh, a lot of bad decisions that was made between then and now, obviously. So here's what happened, man. So I, you know, I had it, I had it rough in some ways, but everybody's got their story. But here I meet this young lady who has just been through hell and s- still was living it, you know, mm. and. Of course, I fall in love with her. I get out of that juvenile correctional facility when I'm 17. She's 16 when she gets out. Well, now I'm in love with her. She was there 14 months. I was there 15 months because that facility, if you had a girlfriend there, they'd let you with, they called it mixing, right? So that means in, if you got up to a certain level, you could go to the cafeteria um, once a week and you could hold hands and talk. <laughs> it's kind of thing. Anyway, so, man, when I got out of there, I was still on probation. So I went back to a part of Indiana that wasn't anywhere near her. She goes back to her old life, which is party, 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 hardcore projects, living in the projects, everything like that. I go back to a pretty sound life. But, again, my struggle was I still struggled even though I, I was provided for and stuff. Uh, I still struggled with finding community. You know, I was, uh, I was heavily, heavily bullied, man. Now, mm-hmm. now I've done – I've had the privilege of speaking to nearly 400,000 students face to face and some of them about this subject. Mm -hmm. It got pretty serious with me. I was just beat down a lot all the way uh, elementary school, middle school, high school. 
But then when I turned 17, something began to change on the inside. I mean, I was a kid before that that was chased home from school, beat up by a girl in the eighth grade, made the laughing stock of my school. And then I'd move to a new school, get a new start, be the laughing stock in that school, made fun of, picked on. It was just a constant thing. Mm. It was like the enemy had a target on my back. Mm. And here's somebody that is a communicator, wants to have community. I'm, I, you know, I'm personality. Yeah. And I'm not very quiet. And, but I was kind of forced in that situation. Anyway, long story short, what happened was, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm in love with her, but I'm in my county. And my, I was on probation. She was on probation in her county. I'd never been to where she's from before. But here I am in love with this girl. I'm 17, so I just took off again. Forget probation. Hmm. Forget the new job I got that summer. Forget it all. Hmm. I went there, found her. Her mom let me move right in. And that's what kind of lifestyle she lived. I mean, I just, my wife has written a book about this now called Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. But I show up at the house. Mom, and of course, me and her mom would argue sometimes, but she let me move in. So I'm living a pretty unholy life, if you can imagine. Mm. Now, the kind of kids that used to chase me home from school, the kind of people that used to bully me and those rough kids, that was the kind of people that Jody was. That's Mm -hmm. that's my wife. That's her name, Jody, that uh, she hung out with. So here I am, 17. Something began to change on the inside. I started partying. I started hanging out with them. I found community there. Then something happened. It was time to start paying back society, I think, because of what I went through. And I started building a reputation for being violent in Muncie, Indiana. So here's this kid that was chased home, made fun of. You know, it was always something violent, some physical thing, getting punched in the face, all those kinds of things as a kid. Here I am, 17, on the streets of Muncie. So we went from that to being stabbed being beat up by a bumper jack to being beat up by pool sticks to to being in fight after fight after fight after fight after fight but there was something that came with that and it was the accolades from jody's friends Hmm. started making me feel accepted so i just fed into it and was living that life our house became the party house jody and i uh, got married at 17 and 18 i was 18 she was 17 our daughter was born five months later Uh, we get some apartments jobs or at least i did still partying it up my house became the party house 212 west fifth street getting more and more violent my friends are getting violent there was a a drug ripoff that took place you know our friends against them drive-by shooting took place in my house next thing i know uh swat team two in the afternoon raids my house Hmm. uh fully dressed in black from head to toe black ski mask black 12 gauge pump shotguns See, people hear my story, they hear that, and they think, oh, man, this dude must have lived a hard life. The crazy thing is, is when I look back, I'm like, I didn't even get to be bad for very long. You know, <laughs> I know it's, not, it's kind of funny now when you think about it, but Jody wanted out of that life. I mean, she lived at, she was on drugs in the party scene and lived in Muncie and lived in Fort Wayne and also lived in Cleveland, Ohio, in a drug house since she was nine years old. Mm. That was her life. That wasn't my life. I mean, my mom would never let me move a girl into the house. I mean, I'd have, she'd have killed me. That'd have been over with, you know. But here I was living that life, house raided by a SWAT team. Like I said, they come in the house fully dressed in black from head to toe, black ski mask, black 12-gauge pump shotguns, two in the afternoon. Of all places to be arrested, this is crazy. I'm in the bathtub. Mm. Wow. Seriously, I worked half a day on a new job, got high with my boss that day. We were cutting down trees. 
I dropped me back off at the house. Uh, in fact, the police informants, they had sent an informant to my house to buy some marijuana. I was selling small amounts of marijuana. It wasn't very much, but it was the party house. And it was we were just involved in a lot of violence, and we had bought a whole bunch of stolen property. Mm. And uh, so anyway, I didn't have anything when the informant came by. So I go in. I said, Jody, we didn't have a shower. I mean, I, I did a little documentary of through this this old house that we lived in last year i released some clips of that uh, it's on my socials but uh it was crazy I mean, it was a bad bad scene hmm. i went back into that house later after we after the raid but anyway um in the bathtub i'm coming in the house i'm thinking it's drug dealers i'm not knowing it's the police until they start saying take cover and i'm like okay there's no drug dealer gonna bust in your house <laughs> saying take cover yeah. so they pulled me out of the bathroom and they came in the bathroom I'd already gotten up out of the water. I had thrown, you know, put my pants on. Basically, I got them on. That was it. That thus the reason. If you ever see my mugshot, that's why. That's why there's no shirt. <laughs> this is me and this long stringy hair, you know. So they pull me out of there, um, take me out on the front porch. Man, they had my whole street blocked off. I'm mm. talking ambulances, vans. I stood on the front porch, handcuffed, while they raided my next door neighbor. Wow them raid his house and then they brought jody and mindy now my daughter's name's mindy mindy was nine months old mm-hmm. jody's holding her she's crying freaking out there's uh two girls there that were skipping skipping school that day they were there uh they began to ask me some questions i had already i'd made up my mind a long time ago you know that's the kind of thing that you and your friends do is stand around when you're drunk and talk about how you're gonna watch each other's back and you're right. gonna protect each other so that's so I, it really wasn't about loyalty with us. I don't, I mean, for me, it was more about protecting my reputation when I ever got out of jail, being a snitch, yeah. you know, as silly as that is. So as dumb as that is, I let my wife go to jail because what they did was they arrested me, asked me if I knew this on this person. And I, I didn't say anything. I had already told Jody, don't tell him anything, nothing. Don't cooperate with them. And she didn't. And then the, they already knew it. They already, they must've, you know, through the informant knew what we were going to say, because the moment she gave them the, the name, I told her to give them of where we got this from and that from, mm-hmm. um, they arrested her. They took my little nine month old baby girl out of her arms. And you know, crazy thing is the, one of the deputies took my daughter out of Jody's arms. They gave her to a detective. The detective went over and he put my baby, my baby girl in a car seat in a car. They already had it ready to go. That detective is the same detective. that My wife, as a juvenile, got in trouble with that detective. And he warned her when she was a juvenile child. He's going to detention. Jody, you better straighten up. Then when she was 14... Caught her as a runaway, put her back in juvenile, and wondered, Jody, you better straighten up. And here he was. She's uh, now she's 18 years old when the SWAT raid happened. Because hmm. we got married at 17, 18, then at 19 and 18, I was 19 and she was 18. SWAT raid happens. Uh, and that's the same detective that takes our daughter out of her arms and puts him, puts her in the car, takes her away. Long story short with that one is, is they, you know, obviously they interrogated us and all those things. We wouldn't cooperate. So eight months later, we went to trial. 
still would not cooperate, pleading not guilty. We were as guilty as all get out, you know, and we're pleading not guilty. And I just kept telling Jody, don't, don't tell him anything. You can't cooperate with this. You know, we're not snitches. We're not this. We're not that. You know, it's a shame, man, because the crazy thing is, is that I could have kept her out of prison had I cooperated. I could have, she, she would have at least been able to stay with my daughter, but we didn't cooperate. We went to trial. They tried us together. They found us guilty, put us back in jail, revoked our bond. We were out on bond during the trial, revoked our bond, put us back on jail. Two weeks later, sentenced both of us to six years, first offense as an adult, six years in the Indiana Department of Corrections. Mm. And now before we go to prison, there's one thing that I, a couple of important things that I left out of this picture. Back when I was 10 years old, growing up in a little town called Taylorsville, Indiana, I was going to this, they had this blue bus from the Baptist church. And this blue bus would go around the neighborhood and pick up all these little kids and take them to church. So it took me to church. And then on this one day, we got to the church and they put us on the bus. And they took us down to the local fire station. And when we got to the fire station, they had all the fire trucks pulled out. They had a stage set up in the garage and they had in the fire station garage Mm -hmm. and they had little chairs set up. And all of us little kids from that church sat down on those chairs and the guy on the stage preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to a bunch of little bitty kids. Mm. And I remember hearing about Jesus. And I remember lifting my hand and wanting to get saved. Now, funny thing is, the guy's giving an altar call. First time I'd ever experienced one, he's like, come up to the front, come up to the front, you know. First he said, you know, the famous uh, bow your head and close your eyes. Well, as soon as I lifted my hand, I'm looking around to see if any girls see me lift my hand. (laughs) So, Well, then he's inviting us to come up to the front. I wouldn't do it. Mm. I ain't doing that. So I waited till everybody got on the bus. But I really wanted to do what he said. So when everybody got on the bus, I was the last one. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, I want to do what you said in there. And that's how I first came to Jesus. Mm. Was at, it's, I think it's awesome because the fact that you know, doing what you do, what you're doing, what you're doing is getting a message to people. But you're thinking outside the box about how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. What I do in, in what I'm out doing as well is thinking outside the box. And that's exactly how somebody got me, got my attention as a little kid. Well, the crazy thing is, 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 you know, I didn't stay, you know, I accepted Jesus, but, you know, there was no guidance in that mm-hmm. area. So I got in trouble. When I went to, to Josiah White's at 16 years old, I rededicated my life to Jesus. I get out 17, I go back to the party life. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'd get in trouble, I'd cry out to God. So the crazy thing is, is while we were out on bond for that eight months waiting for the trial to happen, they took custody. First, they took our daughter, put mm. her in foster care. Then they gave my daughter to my mom. But they wouldn't let us have our daughter, my, my daughter back until I could show them a stable, consistent life, right. a safe environment for her. And I say safe because, listen, they should have taken her. I had a flow of known felons in and out of my home. I had very violent people in and out of my house. Even at age 19, I was always about hanging out with people that were older, sit around and get high. It's a party life. Let's talk crazy. Let's get violent, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was dangerous for her. It was good that they did that. Um, but we still, I still loved her as a young dad, very immature punk kid, but I still love my little baby girl. I'm yeah. just learning. 
So yeah. I'm wanting her back. So Jody and I, we moved from Muncie, Indiana, while we're on bond, to Indianapolis. Lived in our car for a while. Jody got a job. I went to drug rehab for 30 days, got out. And in fact, the day that I, like a couple days after I got out, my wife, she worked at a, like a United Oil, like gas station, a uh, little pantry like thing. She got robbed three times at gunpoint. On the third, after the second time, I said, you get robbed again. That's it. You're quitting. I just got out of rehab. Didn't have a job. You know, she was the only one working. One night at 11 o'clock, she, when she's normally supposed to get home sometime after 11, she pulls up and her manager pulls up behind her. And I'm thinking, she got robbed again. Mm. She got robbed again, you know. So, sure, they come inside. She was okay, but they had robbed her three times for sure. And I said, that's it, you're quitting. Well, the manager came home that night because he wanted he wanted me to talk me out of making her quit. But I said, no, you quit. We'll be in tomorrow to get her checked. So we go back to the next day to get her checked. Now, we're standing in this gas station waiting on her check to, to arrive. The mail hadn't came, whatever it was. Some guy comes in. He goes, man, you guys got any water? He said, my truck is overheating. Well, he had been in that gas station quite a bit. He was a, come to find out he was a contractor. He'd been coming in and out of there because he was a do, he was doing the job close to there. And he takes this bucket of water, goes out to his, his truck, comes back in. He says, I don't know what the deal was. My truck's fine. I, it was, I know it was overheating, but it's fine now. It's got water in it, everything. He overhears that my wife gets robbed and they start up a conversation. And all of a sudden, I just got real rude, and I said, let's go. We got to get out of here. I said, I got to go find a job. Let's go. And that same guy immediately says this. He goes, you want a job? And he hired me right then, right there, standing in that pantry. Mm -hmm. Turns out this guy was just born-again Christian, filled with God. He's a prayer prayer man yeah. prayer guy you know he starts talking to us he invites us to his house he invites he, he invites himself to our house <laughs> sure enough he gave me a job and i started working for him that man is still my friend today but you know when my wife and i went to prison that man and his wife his mom his dad they stayed with us they kept coming to the prison especially his mom and his, his mom and dad they took it upon themselves to do prison ministry They'd go see my wife and they'd come and see me. They went to go see my wife every single week that couple did. Uh, the, the man that witnessed to me, his mom and dad. Mm -hmm. They would always accept our collect calls. They would always minister to us on the phone and share the gospel with us and pray us through and pray for the court system and pray for the judge and pray for the lawyer and pray that we'd be safe. And I did time in four different prisons during that uh, that time and my wife did time in two in, in two prisons. So I was in four different facilities. She was in two. But immediately, I rededicated my life to the Lord. I dug into the Word of God. I started studying the Word of God, started praying. I was getting on fire like I'd never had before for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, here I am. I turned 20. I turned 21. The judge says this. She goes, she finally, we kept filing the sentence modification. Mm -hmm. And the judge says that you're not going to get out. You're going to do all your time. She sent a message to our attorney. She said, tell the Ballingers, stop asking you to get out. You're going to do all your time. You, you know, she, in fact, she said, don't waste the paper. Don't waste the ink. Hmm. And that was January 
And I remember going outside the prison yard. There's a track around the prison yard. And I remember praying. And I said, God, I didn't pray to that judge. I prayed to you. Yeah. And I stayed with that. And I just thanked him for freeing me and my wife. Bro, less than two months later, she brought us back in it. They picked up me. They picked up my wife at her prison in the same vehicle. Wow. Took us back to the jail. <laughs> handcuffed us together. Yeah. Took us back in the vehicle, took us over to court, stood in front of that same judge, and that judge released us on that day. Mm. One year early uh, from prison, we got released. Less than two months later, I was granted full custody of my baby girl back with no strings attached, never lost her again, never had to go to the welfare department, never had to go to counseling, never returned to drugs. I never returned to alcohol, not one time. Both of us have been on fire for Jesus ever since. And uh, we had a son after we got out of prison. I might add not too long after we got out of prison. (laughs) And um, man, I just a a real total transformation because of God's love. But because also, you know, we really, man, I I really, I dug in. It was my only hope. I was searching and I found life. Yeah. Found life through Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's really funny if I may add this. I don't know if I'm running this out of time here. But, but I'll say this. I started off the testimony by talking about purpose. And it's, you know, there's a lot of books about it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sermons about it. And there's a cliche thing about that. Find your purpose. Mm-hmm. It's a great motivational yeah. statement. We've all heard a thousand times. But there's, our purpose is, is God's kids, first and foremost. Yeah. Our purpose is love him and know he loves us. And, and and he's the one that paid the price for all this. So I understand that. I do think, think though, that giftings, things that we each individual have that are unique to us. Mm -hmm. And when I was seven years old in that little town, I got together with uh, all my friends in my backyard. I've told this story all over the place, man. Yeah. All three of my friends together i was seven years old i've taken my wife by that house plenty of times and i showed her it's right where i was standing right there and i looked at those friends i was seven what little seven-year-old kid says this i looked at my friends and i said hey guys i said you see that big pile of wood over there behind my dad's garage i said we're going to take that wood and we're going to build a stage and their eyes got really big none of us could play any instruments we didn't know anything about music (laughs) but i was i was a fan of music sure as a little kid I remember saying, yeah, man, we're going to have a band. And their eyes got bigger. I said, we're going to build a stage. We're going to have a band. We're going to get up on the stage and sing. And all the little girls are going to come watch us sing. <laughs> that was seven years old. Mm. The funny thing about it is, is that, you know, when you look back on those different things, you go, that's really interesting. Because they know, I, yeah, I joined choir and stuff like that. But it was always this unreachable goal that I had, you know, to do something musically. Yeah. Um, but but then eventually the Lord just began to to unfold that in me. I was a speaker. I pastored an inner city church. I did prison ministry, uh, you know, but I always had a desire to do something musically. And the Lord really began to put it on my heart to um, to record. And so uh, I went to Nashville and I, I recorded. And so, yeah, so so Winter Jam, that, that all came years later. Yeah. Like, that's what's crazy. It wasn't like I just like uh, it, it was all it all it all came years later. I told Jason Roy from Building 429, I was telling him this story, and he goes, dude, 
it just took you a long time to come to form. <laughs> so whatever that means, Jason, by the way, I'll give a shout out to Jason and, and Jesse Garcia from building 429. Yeah. I met those guys on that tour, dude. They're awesome. Those, those guys took me, took me under their wing and helped me tremendously. Um, so many awesome things have happened since then. Um, Jason has produced so many of my, so much of my new music that's out now. Riley Freeze and Jason's producer. It's just been a great thing to be a part of, and I'm just loving it. Yeah. That's the story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so, so, so you just mentioned a little bit on how you got into the music uh, industry, and uh, so you released a brand new Christmas EP all year. Uh, yeah. It's out now, all streaming. And uh, I'm sure you could find it on CD somewhere. If, if, you know, a lot of places don't sell CDs anymore, <laughs> so, but for sure on yeah. streaming. And uh, yes. so tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about your new Christmas EP. Man. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, by the way, I'll say that the only place that they can get it is on streaming. Yeah. Cause we did, <laughs> we didn't, we, we didn't press it. No cassettes. Because, <laughs> No, oh man, no, I got stories. Daddy, what's a cassette? (laughs) You know, the crazy thing is, is as I was doing an interview the other day and we were talking about it and the lady was so surprised. I said, you know, what's crazy? I said, I didn't even know that I was doing this, this, the Christmas music this year Mm. until September 10th. Oh, wow. Dude, that I'm telling you, that's exactly how it happened. I had a whole different single that I was focused on going to radio. It would have been my third single going to radio. I was really excited about it. It's called, it's a song called can't see it yet, mm-hmm. but through some advisement of my team, it just didn't look, it didn't look good. It didn't look like that was going to be the wise thing. And the timing was right. Not right. And, um, radio is an interesting world, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, anyway, so that was, I was excited about that. So, one of my team members, uh, a couple of them actually were suggesting, you know, um, you know, what, what do you got for Christmas? You know? And so, man, I mean, it just, a spark was lit. I had already decided I was not going to do it this year and I was going to let another year go by because I love Christmas music. Yeah. You know, I even did a Christmas tour years ago and, um, and I was like, man, now, you know, since the Lord really gave me more visibility in my music and, and ministry, I, I really wanted to do it. So we decide that I'm going to do this cover song for uh, Michael Carr yeah. did this song called Joseph's Song. Mm-hmm. I was going to do this cover song so and do a, a new rendition of it. We thought that was wise. That was the only one. That was it. We go in the studio, knock that out. We're excited about it. We'll go back in to do a few touches up on it. And the producer says, you want to write a new one? I'm like, it's September. Uh, <laughs> in September. Well, now it's, now we're September 15th, 16th or 7th. No, it was, dude, we're September 18th. Huh. Let me see. No, 16th was a Friday. It was September 19th now. Okay. And he's, you want to write a new one? I'm like, yeah. And dude, God just dropped that all year right out of heaven. And he and I, I mean, I'm telling you, that just came together like like peanut butter and jelly, I guess, <laughs> whatever. It was like, I, and I was like, oh, my God, I love this tune, man. And you know, the funny thing about it, we were writing that song, um, and, and we're super excited about Joseph's song and how that came out. And 
Yeah. And it just takes you places. God's touched that. It's has, blessing a lot. Has of Michael heard uh, your version? You know, I don't know yet. I would, I would think that he probably has. Maybe by now, that one is getting a lot of play, uh-huh. airplay, and um, so is all year. Yeah. Um, where I've came from, both them songs are getting a lot of airplay right now, and I'm excited about it. Um, radio, uh, but anyway, so what happened was is is. Uh, I told my producer, we were talking about to write the song. I said, you know, I said, let's write something along these lines. I said, I've always been amazed at how people who don't know God, maybe they don't really think about Jesus at Christmas. They willingly get excited about Christmas time. Mm -hmm. The Christmas spirit, we call it. Right? We know it's God's spirit. Mm -hmm. And so... The Christmas spirit. And so I just always been amazed at how people could enter in and even experience the benefits of it. Right. You know, and what's happening is, is there's a lot of love. There's a lot of giving. There's a lot of receiving. It's God's will, man. That's God's heart. And we're celebrating and honoring Jesus, whether he was born in December 25th or not. Right. We are celebrating this, right? Yeah. So we talked about that. Next thing we talked about was, I said, then there's those people, man, they are like anti-Christmas 100%. They're like, it's not even his birthday. And I don't, I ignore that. But anyway, not even his birthday. And, you know, they don't want no part of it. It's all commercialism. And then, then you got people that would like to enjoy it if they could. But they're the broken. Hmm. They don't know how to even enter into the Christmas spirit. Yeah. And when we started talking about that, it was, it just came about that, wait a minute, even, even though they could be entering in at Christmas time, the broken could, they don't even realize, or the people that enter into the Christmas spirit and don't know God, they don't even realize they could have this year round. Right. All year. And therefore that's where the title came from. And so I couldn't have been more happier with that. In fact, uh, promoter was like oh i'm not just running with one of these songs i'm taking both of these songs to radio (laughs) and i was just like man and he was excited about our whole team was excited about it so really bro i'm really honored to get to uh, be a part of them songs um i'm surrounded with great people that have helped me um you know i had another producer and this is really big i had a another producer um Paper Tongues, As One North. I don't know if you remember that band or not, but uh, such a great dude. He had produced my Walking On Waves EP before I went to Winter Jam. Mm. And uh, we really tried to get some movement on those songs. And uh, But the Lord has had him in the marketplace, more of a gen, gen market feel. Mm-hmm. And it, it really wasn't, we, we really, it really wasn't Winter Jam vibe. Yeah, that audience, you see. Yeah, yeah. And but he came to see me in Atlanta, and this was so big of him. He goes, dude. He goes, you need to find a producer on this tour. And I was like, okay, well. I didn't really like set out every day to try to figure that out. The Lord opened the door. I end up with a long conversation with Jesse Garcia from Building Four Twenty Nine. You know, we're we're on the tour together, but you're just passing each other. You know what I yeah. mean? And then he really reached out. And he felt what I was feeling. Here I am with this big moment that God gave me, but I needed to be able to make that connection. 
Next thing I know, we get shut down. I contact Jason, April of 2020. Jason Roy from Building 429. By June of 2020, I'm in the studio. <clears throat> I don't know how many times I've been to Clarksville, Tennessee, in the studio now. Yeah. But we became really close. And gosh, beginning of 2021, I had my first single at Radio Tree in the Nails, uh, and then followed it this the beginning of this year with Mercy. Um, I just got a a, a lot of great people around me that keep pouring into me and helping me. And you know what I found out? What's cool is, and I, I was telling somebody at Moody Radio the other day, I love it that people like music, but what I'm finding out is people like yourself and others, you love the music, but you really want to know. You really want to know the testimony, Absolutely. the story behind all this. And I mean, I'm just loving that because it definitely expanded our territory big time. Yeah. And the music has been a great door opener for that because people want to know. You know, I think the common, I say the common man, what I mean by that is, I don't mean that as a, a, a derogatory statement. Right. Let's say people that maybe don't know anything about the industry, they, they kind of have this stereotype of how they think this music comes about. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a real story. So for me, it's music with a message. I just finished, I'm finishing up a 30 city tour sponsored by destiny rescue, um, an acoustic tour, uh, most likely getting ready to sign for another one this next year. And it's, it's music with a message and I'm loving every bit of it. So, yeah, that's incredible, Billy. Uh, so this next segment of the interview, we normally title favorite things. Uh, but since it is Christmas season, it is Favorite Things Christmas Edition. And so I'm going to give you a word, and you just okay. give me your favorite thing but Christmas, okay? What is your favorite Christmas song? Okay, you're asking me that right now. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. My favorite Christmas song. Um Oh, Holy Night. Oh, Holy Night. That's my favorite Christmas song. Yep. Yeah. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a Wonderful Life. There you go. Uh, do you have a favorite Christmas memory or tradition? Memory. There's, can I give you two? Or just sure. One? Just one. Go ahead. I'll give you two. One of them was we were flat broke when our kids, you know, just little, our kids were just little. And my wife and I were just talking about this the other day. And uh, somebody brought gifts to the house, you know, just gifts wrapped to the house for yeah. our kids. Second one would be um, in prison, getting up at 6 a.m. in the morning, going to the barber shop. There's a actual barber inside the prison. Mm -hmm. They had two barber chairs in there. We got permission to go in that barbershop. It wasn't open. We were standing in the barbershop because there was a TV in there. And we'd go in there and watch Christian stuff in the morning, whatever. But Christmas morning, 6 a.m., me and several other inmates stood in a circle, held hands, sang Christmas carols, sang to God, prayed to God, mm. 6 a.m. in prison. Um, yeah. That's awesome. What is, uh, when it comes to Christmas decorations, are you more of a... Clark Griswold guy, or are you more classic? Classic. Classic, okay. Now, these last two are just normal. They're not necessary Christmas. Uh, do you have a favorite podcast? 
Oh man, I, I failed on this. <laughs> Let me see. Oh man, a favorite podcast. Um, this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one. This one. Um, there you you go. know what? I I really um, I, often it's just some different different ones. I don't really have a favorite. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, do you have a favorite Bible verse? Man, that was some really good ones. Um, yeah, let's say, let's say John chapter sixteen, verse twenty-three and twenty-four. Jesus said, "Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He'll give it to you." The next verse says, "He says, up until now you've not asked anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be made full." Amen. Uh, so, Billy, what is next for you, and how can our listeners keep up with you? Yes, um, man, just Billy Ballinger Music is one one place as far as a handle goes that they can keep finding out where I'm going to be, uh, what I'm doing, what recordings are coming out and everything. Uh, what's next for me is I uh, feel very, very strongly to stay the course. I'm going to be putting out some more music this next year. Um, I'm about to announce another tour. and um, so I, I think those those two things right there. Yeah. Um, there could possibly be a book for me, but I, I'm not going to do that until I know for sure. Yeah. That that's the Lord. I watched my wife go through that process. Mm. She has her book is amazing. She's had great success with that. We released that obviously on the Winter Jam tour as well. And but uh, there's something in there. So yeah, I've been actually thinking about. Um, doing it uh doing my my testimony by video segments first you know i really want i really thought it would be cool to get into some of the raw real raw stuff that yeah a lot of times we we keep it nice yeah but i'd like to get into some of the stuff that's um it'll keep your attention i got stories on top of stories (laughs) you know but i i think that's uh i love touring absolutely and uh we had a great successful year with destiny rescue helping to uh, rescue children from human trafficking. Mm. That's been a, that's been very, very powerful thing. Mm. And I want to thank God for the the churches and the different locations that allowed us to be part of that. And uh, yeah. And I love the acoustic shows. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, full band as well too, but the, the acoustics are the acoustic show, very, very unique thing, you know? Yeah. So to wrap up, I'd like to see if you'd be willing to share something uh, that God has been doing in your life, maybe even recently, that would help build our listeners' faith. Yes. Um, what has God been dealing with me about recently? God has been dealing with me recently about, you know, there's a scripture in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Mm-hmm. So I've started to use that prayer, that scripture more in my prayer life. And what I mean is there's some things in the scripture that are pretty obvious that you know is God's will for you to have. Because it's like it's like black and white. Like you're that's a promise. Mm-hmm. But what if it's like you where are you gonna move? You know, what school should your kids go to? Or, you know, should I take this tour? Should I not? You know, right. should I do that? Should I, 
record? What, should I do a book? You know, those kinds of things. And so then we have the desire. We want to do a lot of these things. So what I've been doing recently is, is I've been like, okay, um, Lord, I, I want that. Mm-hmm. I desire that. So I'm asking you for it. It's a desire in my heart. But God, I just want you to know I want it. Yeah. I'm, going, I'm, I'm praying Ephesians 3.20 right now. I'm asking you to take this and do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think. If you got something better, at least you know I have prayed. You have not because you asked not, but I'm asking. So I've done my part. I'm asking you to do your part in Ephesians 3.20. And whatever that is, it's going to be better if you got some other plan. It's going to be better. So do that one. I'm not going to sit back. And I think it's important for the listeners to know that we're not talking about setting back and saying, well, whatever will be, will be. The scriptures are very clear in the New Testament, especially, you know, one's old, one's new. And the New Testament says, we have scriptures that say you have not because you ask not. And you have scriptures that Jesus said, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be made full. We are supposed to ask. God set it up that way. But a lot of times we'll be asking, and then people are worried about, well, am I asking wrong? Am I asking out of God's will or not God's will? Maybe maybe it's not what he wants for me. He'll just do whatever he wants. No, we have to ask. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just important to invite him to direct the path, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, and then also this, don't quit. Stay the course. Yeah. You know, stay the course. Uh there's a ton of motivation out there trying to get you to stay the course. I just posted something yesterday. I heard somebody say this. It is, uh, it was a pastor, Pastor Jackie Weaver said it. She, she said, there's somebody out there that's waiting for you to walk out or live out your purpose. Yeah. They need you. Yeah. So That's good, Billy. Uh, it's very encouraging, uh, especially, you know, don't give up. You know, we got to we got to stay the course and uh, just you turn on the news and it's so easy to get discouraged and just throw in the towel. And uh, a lot of times the best thing to do is just turn off the television and uh, don't listen to all the news because it can be depressing. You can <laughs> get you just really down. And so, um, yeah, uh, just, just don't quit. Sure. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give yeah. up. I mean, gosh, we just came through a whole pandemic. Exactly. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Well, hey, we're not wearing masks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, and Merry Christmas, and uh, we we appreciate uh, everything that you do, and uh, you too, brother. Yeah. Amazing. Merry Christmas to you. Well, thanks, Billy, and thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out Christian Music Guys on all socials at Christian Music Guys. Check us out on our website christianmusicguys.com there you will find a way to be a part of our support team be sure to go to apple Podcasts and rate and review our podcast that greatly helps us out thanks again see you next week